Hey, how you doing? I'm Steve Fallon. Thanks for listening. This time, let's find out what it's like being freelance for web developer Mark Stedman. For a long time, my hobbies were kind of my work, and I put all of those things in together. So the podcasts I do, you know, there's no money behind them, but I consider them work. When I've had projects before, it's been very easy for them to just slip and go, ah, forget it, no one's really listening, I'm not going to bother. But when you've got other people that you're being held accountable to, then it makes it a lot easier to actually say, okay, well, this, this does need to be done. So there is Mark. You will hear his story in a moment. There is over a 100 freelancers sharing their stories and experiences at beingfreelance.com or wherever you get your podcast. Thank you so much. There's been really lovely comments coming in from so many different countries uh, recently. Thank you very much for them. Uh, very encouraging and uh, glad you're enjoying it. If you've not signed up for the newsletter, you can do that at beingfreelance.com. Some of those replies and stuff have come to that, actually. Oh, and of course, I'm still doing the vlog documenting my freelance journey in quotation marks i kind of really wish i'd started that when i very first became freelance i quit my job in uh, like 2013 and like before that i was freelancing on the side and i wish i'd been doing it back then actually because it would have been really interesting for me alone you know, even if nobody else watched it, to to have tracked that progress. But anyway, I didn't, but I did do it starting late in 2016. And you can catch those right now on YouTube or at beingfreelance.com. If you're on YouTube, please hit subscribe, turn on the notifications, hit like, leave a comment. F- come on, throw throw a an early vlogger a bone, will you? <laughs> do you know what I didn't expect when I got into vlogging? Was that community aspect of it, though? It is like the responses that you get beneath the video. It's a really nice feeling. And now that makes me leave comments on other people's videos because I realise that actually there's a human behind that who spent time creating that. And it's really nice kind of like just chatting to people who've made the videos. Anyway, enough from me. Let's crack on and get on with this week's episode and chat to freelance web developer Mark Stedman. Hey, Mark. Hello. Hello. Well, I called you a web developer. There is much more to it than that. And I'm looking forward to hearing all about it. But as ever, how about we get started hearing how you got started being freelance? Yeah, well, um, I've had a, a sort of a checkerboard career between freelancing and like actual job jobs. So I, I like I, I started in 2004. Um, I had a job and I left that age 21 went part-time there and then started my own thing from my bedroom at my my parents house building websites and doing things that i thought were marketing i didn't know what marketing was really building websites for 300 pound and and calling that work and then got a job uh, in 06 because my parents were basically they gave me a very friendly and supportive nudge they were like look things you know things are sort of happening but at some point you're gonna need to get out of our house um <laughs> So maybe you want to think about what you're going to do. And I ended up getting a job. Um, I left that in 2008 to become a contractor, picked up a job there at, the, at that firm I was contracting with and got made redundant three months later, just before Christmas. So freelanced until September 2009, got a job at an agency, left them in 2011 to form a startup. That failed. But I formed another company with my old boss a few months later, uh, came back to work for him until 2016. And then uh, headed out on my own, handed in my notice at, at the beginning of the year and then finished up with them in June of 2016. And uh, I've been freelancing properly since. And this is this is the sort of the time where it really feels like I'm, I'm properly doing it because I'm not constantly um, frightened of uh, running out of money. <laughs> 
yeah, I like not constantly frightened of running out of money, but but that goes back to two thousand and four. That's quite a stretch. Yeah, it? it is. I'm intrigued. Like, at what point did you start looking at your pricing? Like you mentioned, you know, three hundred pounds for a whole website. Yeah, like at what point did you feel like maybe you started to get your pricing more literally on the money? Um, it wasn't until a few years later when I left the agency that I, I'd worked for in 2008. So I'd worked for them for a couple of years. And then having got a bit more experience on my belt, I felt I was able to command a little bit of, um, of a, a higher salary. And, and with contracting, you can, you know, you can earn more than you can, obviously, at a, um, at a normal day job, but then you've got all the tax and things to work out as well. But yeah, back then it was it was kind of a combination of what I think my skills are worth, which back then wasn't much, and what I think I can get clients to pay. And that was the sort of balance that I struck. And obviously, if people are going to um, see a good deal going, you know, back in 2005, when not every website had a content management system behind it, and, and it was common to have static websites that you know it, it you're talking very very small companies who didn't have a lot of budget and you know I was I was sort of there and I think there's there's always people there that are young and sort of hungry and and fill that niche um and and that was me and then I just I got I got more skilled and picked you know picked up a few things picked up some more experience and then felt like I could I could start charging more and that's got a little bit more over the years other than like the skills in your actual web developing type, you know, those actual technical skills, what do you think you learned from the various times that you were at an agency or a company? One of the, the big things for me is communicating technical concepts to non-technical people. And I've, I'm lucky that I've, I've been able to do that quite well. I think part of it, I, I, like my first ever job was in retail and it was a, a computer repair type shop and so lots of people would come in with fairly common problems and uh, I wasn't a hardware guy but the software stuff I could I could sort out and, and give them explanations of what to do and like I've always been a teacher man to fish type person like my mum handed me her phone a couple of days ago and said what what's what's this what's this message and I was like Re read the message I did I don't understand well it's asking you if you want to do this do you, do you want to do that? I don't, well, do you want to do that? No. Okay, well, say no then. Um, you know, so like rather than just take the phone out of out of her hand and just make the message go away, I'm like, I am one of those irritating people that sort of walks people through the process. But when you're dealing with clients who are not necessarily hugely tech savvy, uh, you know, they, they sort of know what they want, but but don't know all the ins and outs then that's one of the skills that I've I've been able to cultivate uh, over the over the last few years that I think has made me a little bit easier to work with than maybe some developers who are you know uber technical and and sort of only speak tech mm, yeah so so when you found yourself freelance in these periods how are you getting clients uh, well, the first one back in, yeah, back in the day, like I actually had some success. There used to be a newsletter called Business Bricks and it was a, I think it was twice a week and it was really short and you could advertise for £30 at the, the bottom of this newsletter. And because it wasn't massive, you know, it was just a text 
you know email newsletter and because it wasn't massively obtrusive and and the content was was quite nice people did actually read those ads and i would as well and they were very very short and it would just be a very simple call to action and i offered my services and said you know uh, if you want a website i think i i put a page up somewhere and linked to that and said if you want uh, a website then email me with the subject line i want a website for 299 pound or whatever it is and and that's how i started getting work from from my parents house uh, from my bedroom is is using that and just getting lucky in that i was already subscribed to this thing and then thought actually that could be worth a go and it ended up actually um paying off mm. so at some point in all of that history as well you said you left and started a startup so what mm. was your startup uh, I was building a a sort of a social network for events. It was like a Twitter, but for specific events. And I went through a a sort of Birmingham's attempt at building an accelerator, uh, like they have they, they have these things like uh, Y Combinator in certainly you know in San Francisco, which are you get a bunch of startupy people in a room together and they all hammer out some ideas and stuff and it was trying to do that but not very well because it's you know and it wasn't very good and it was kind of a disappointment and so I never got it never got off the ground because I think the idea was okay but the investment climate wasn't there for it but what came out of that was a business that's still going now and is it sort of bubbles up and 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 comes to the surface and and we do some work and then it, it sort of dies back down again and that's like a a content management system for the physical world so it's for museums and art galleries and places like that and so I built that uh, and founded the company with with the boss that I was whose company I just left at the time and that's now still going and there's four people that that run it and I do tech stuff and the boss of the old company, he, his company does design stuff. And then the other two guys do content management, like helping to write content and, um, and client services. And so that is actually another little way that I generate work because every now and again, a new, a new project will come up and, and that's, you know, a, a few days work that I can do, which is, which is quite nice. Mm, but that's not the only sort of project that you've ended up doing on the side of freelance work. No, uh, I kind of. Uh, one of the the things I love about freelance is is the ability to to do side projects and podcasting has always been one of those big loves that I've that I've had since I first started listening to podcasts in I don't know two thousand and five. Um, I didn't start making them until a bit later, but that's always been something I've I've enjoyed. And then at the end of twenty sixteen, I, I started working on a podcast hosting service just because I was getting a bit tired of where I was and wanted to build something to my own specifications. So just built a thing that was just like a, a, a nutshell of an idea, like a, a just, just a kernel, I should say, of, of an idea of like, these are just the basic services I want and then built it out from there. And, and I'm now at a position where I'm going to be looking to transition away from freelance work into actually running that full-time I already run it full-time I'd sort of have two day jobs but uh that side project is is now looking you know it's it's now a semi-viable business it made a tiny profit this month and I'm um, you know that's something that's that's really exciting and um yeah <laughs> has there always been that itch to create your own 
business, like beyond selling your own time as a freelance or whatever? Has always um, it was it was always just the right finding the right idea, and I, I played around with so many different things. I've made little free things. I made um, a little tool called someone else called it iDoxiny, which is quite a nice way of uh, describing it. It was basically I do X in Y, and it was like a really simple Twitter app where. Uh, you would go on the web and you would log in via your Twitter account and you could either say, I do, for example, um, web development in Brighton and then someone else could log in with their Twitter account and say, I need web development in Brighton. And it would just be a very, very simple matching system to say, there are people around this area. It would use location data. You know, there are people around this area who do these things. And, and like uh, that that existed for a little while. And there's there's those been those kinds of, of projects that I spin up and, and give give it a go for a little bit and then and then they they sort of they die away or they they just burn out or whatever. But yeah, there's um there's always something. And since I started Podience, which is the the podcast hosting service, there's been nothing else. That's the only thing I've focused on apart from the three podcasts that I make. <laughs> apart from that yeah. so, so so as well as the the company side project in in Podium, you you do three podcasts as well mm-hmm. crikey and then <laughs> freelance work on top um, has there been things that you've learned from doing all of those side projects especially when you're creating like the apps or the services or whatever that feeds back into freelance work yeah, definitely. I mean, there's there's always um, technical things that you that you pick up uh, that you can then apply. Um, and so, one of the the things that if you're if you're sort of so minded, you you want to just play around with a bit of technology just because you find it interesting or whatever, and that can be really really useful. So, uh, I, I messed around building mobile apps for a bit just because I thought it'd be fun, and that ended up. That ended up being something I did for a job for a bit. And so the the actual play aspect of that kind of stuff is really good. And, you know, I do have uh, one client who pays me to produce a podcast for them. And that just came about through years and years and years of sitting with Adobe Audition and getting to know the software and uh, and, and making little bits of radio and, and stuff like that. So like those those aspects of play, um, really can feed in and you don't always know where they're going to feed in but they they very often do and how do you manage your time amongst all of that <laughs> well i'll tell you a story uh yesterday i got a <clears throat> a bee in my bonnet about a, a certain or what the americans i think call a wild hair um that i wanted to start work on a on a new aspect of of the podcast stuff and it's very technical, very esoteric and very boring, but it's very fundamental. And so I started work on that uh, at around nine yesterday and had some freelance in between and then looked at my watch when I finished a bit of stuff that I was doing and it was one in the morning. Um, And I'd worked for 16 hours and I think had probably half an hour break because I I, as I think a lot of people in the sort of more technical space, you can get obsessive and uh, you get a real case of tunnel vision. And when you get those moments, I sort of just go with it because um, they can be really, really, really productive. But then you have to sort of have a bit of a lie down afterwards. Um, so time management can sometimes be a bit of a, a bit of an issue, uh, especially when there's that you know, you, you've got a problem that, that is left unsolved, or you just want to finish this one thing and 
you know, you know, you've got a meeting to go to and you end up being late because you think, oh, no, I can I can push it. Oh, no, no I'll, I'll get um, halfway across the city in, in five <laughs> minutes. It'll be absolutely fine because I just need to get this thing done. And And there's no reason. It's just that your brain can't stop you from actually finishing the task. Otherwise, you're just frustrated for the rest of the day. <laughs> That's me anyway. And how about actually managing like all of those projects? How do you stay on top of them? At, at the moment, I, I have one major freelance client, and then there's a couple of a couple of bits and pieces. Um, but when when I started in 2016, that sort of doing the, the proper freelancing thing, I played with a few things. So I had I would block out time in the calendar, which ended up being quite useful. But and uh, like th- there's a couple of different approaches that I quite like, and the calendar thing is quite nice, especially if you balance lots of other commitments. Just saying okay, well, you know, this is the shape of the week. I'm going to do this kind of thing in the morning uh, or, you know, a Tuesday morning is this kind of thing. And then, a th- you know, putting in some contingency for stuff that might break or, you know, unpredictable things is is really important. So, you know, keeping a semi-rigid, semi-flexible calendar is is one approach that that can work quite well. The other approach that I kind of like is more like the getting things done, the sort of GTD approach of just having a bunch of, tasks where you just put all of the things in that need to get done for various projects and you just sit down and you say okay well today I'm working and these are the things that need to get done it's it's just then a matter of saying how many hours in the day am I going to do work and then just churning through the the to-do list in that time and I I kind of quite like that but it means that you've got to pre-plan some of the project work so that you can split it out into separate tasks mm. <laughs> I'm about to ask the work-life balance question, so forgive me for laughing there. <laughs> uh, <because laughs> it was just, well, you know, you've already said you were up till 1am last night. But, yeah, <laughs> how's that going? Um, well, to be honest, actually, it's not, it's not too bad now. Um, for a long time, my hobbies were kind of my work, and I, I put all of those things in together. So the podcasts I do, the, the three I do, don't, you know, there's no money behind them, but I consider them work, but they are kind of they are my hobbies but I do have that obsessive mindset so I have to keep a lid on that um, but also it's sort of knowing okay well this is one of those days we're just going to go with it tomorrow you know you can you can go and do human things and and that is often what will happen so that and then this is going to sound really bad but um like forcing myself to go and see family not because it's a chore because it's not because I love my family and you know I've got two nephews and I love seeing them and I miss them when I don't but it's when you you're in that mindset where you're like there's several things that need to be done you sort of have to go look that stuff can wait your family haven't seen you for a few weeks you don't want your nephews to forget who you are so go and see them and and take the day and just sit with them and and go to the park or do whatever it is it's sort of listening to what your brain is telling you at certain times and saying, okay, it needs today it needs to do human things. Today it needs to go and go to the shops or just go for a walk or today it needs to go and see family and, and organize that. And the same is true of holidays and stuff, just waiting for that, the, the voice at the back of the brain that's like, you're going to need to stop at, at some point and making sure you actually try and listen to that voice and try and not be a, a hero and, you know, because no one's going to thank you for working 12 hours a day for for a week. Um, but they will thank you if you go and say hello to them because that's a nice thing to do. Yes. It's interesting hearing you in there early on in that saying about you consider your podcasts that you do work, even though they're also kind of a hobby. 
do you think like it's that mentality where if you didn't consider them work, maybe you wouldn't schedule them in and find time to do them? But clearly, there's something you're passionate about, which therefore makes it you you know you're enjoying doing it, and it's kind of like a hobby. I think I think it's a way of justifying it to myself, if I'm honest. <laughs> I think it's a way that I I think I've decided I've told myself that this is this is legitimate. Therefore, uh, I think no, like honestly, because I, I look at it as a long game thing, and and I think doing this stuff means that I get better at podcasting, um, running a hosting service. If I can have a successful podcast, that just means. I'm a little bit more credible uh, when I'm talking about various things, uh, and so, like, uh, you know, on, for a long game thing, I, I think it there is a, it is you know legitimate work. But like to your to your like early point there about that sort of accountability and making sure you actually do the things. I I used to do some solo podcasts, and they're very easy to abandon. The three I do. I've often got people sort of nagging me going, where are the show notes? Like, what's the script? What are we talking about this week? And that's really good because it means, you know, we're on a schedule, you know, we record roughly the same times every week. And it means I have to get that stuff out. Uh, I have to make sure I do the show notes and, and, and these various things. And when I've had projects before it's been very easy for them to just slip and go ah forget it no one's really listening i'm not going to bother but when you've got other people that you're being held accountable to because you're working with them and you're you're asking of their time as well then it makes it a lot easier to actually say okay well this this does need to be done ah so if you're thinking of doing a sort of long-running side project actually collaborating with other people can help keep you on track yeah, hugely. I think it, it's it's being it's that that aspect of being held accountable to a degree. I think it, it it does it does make a big difference. Yeah, that's why I disappeared all summer last year. <laughs> See, <laughs> yes. need somebody else to kick to kick me. Actually, yeah, to pick up on one of those podcasts, but you mentioned platform. I think it is. It is you kind of like documenting the progress of the platform you're building in 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 the podcast hosting platform. That is, yeah, is that, that's right. Yeah, so yeah, that's right. Do you find that that's you know other than creating the podcast and being fun, does it help you? like analysing what you're doing in creating that sort of thing? Even if nobody listened, does it help you improve your, you know, what you're doing? Yeah, I think so. Because you, it, it's again, it's actually accountability to a degree because I've always been fairly honest and, and the sort of the, the brand, which is going to sound a little bit douchey, but like the, my sort of brand is, is a kind of level of honesty. And I've always gone with that, like when I launched Podiant and, and, you know, when, when we've had issues and things like, so I talk about bugs that are in the system. I talk about outages and things that have gone wrong. And we also talk about features that we want to uh, add. And, and so one, one of the, the ways that the show works, we changed this up a few weeks ago is that my co-host is actually the host of the show and he effectively interviews me. And that means that it works really well because you get to hear his voice more because I, as you all are already experiencing, I tend to prattle on um, and <laughs> having, having him driving it is, is really good. And so he gets to then ask me the questions and, and you know, I, I still put the show together. I put the show notes together and I edit it, but like he can ask me, Oh, you know, there's a bug in the system. What's going on with that. And then it allows me to actually talk about that and then say, you know, I do plan to get this fixed by next week. And I've then set a thing where I need to be able to report back on the progress of that next week, because I know 
partly he he will ask me about it um and so that that kind of stuff from a practical level it actually it actually does help have any of your clients ever sort of commented on the various side projects and stuff that you do over the years yeah now, now and again um i do get people who will mention things and and sometimes i can be a little bit bashful because I think the three shows that I do now, I'm very proud of and very pleased with. And I think that wasn't always the case in the past. And so I, I, I would sort of laugh things off and go, yeah, it's just a silly thing. Whereas now I think if someone that I'm working with professionally listens to one of the podcasts or, or reads a blog post or whatever, then I feel a little bit more like, yeah, no, okay, that that's good. You know, that I, this is not... Because it's all work, again, like it doesn't feel like a personal life bleeding into the work life kind of thing. Yeah. By the way, we'll put links to all of Mark's podcasts and Podient and everything he's up to, as ever, as we do for all of our guests, at beingfreelance.com. So if you want to check these out, I love the artwork on platform, by the way. It's very good. Oh, cool. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, go take a look, beingfreelance.com and link through and have a listen. Right. Now, I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself. Make two true, one a lie. Let me figure out the lie. What do you have for me? Right. Okay. So... Number one, uh, I was on an episode of Kilroy. <laughs> if you remember the old, oh my Robert gosh, Kilroy yeah, television, uh, whatever thing that was. Number two, I used to sell sex toys. <laughs> and number three, uh, I made an EP of acoustic pop songs. Wow. Okay. So Kilroy, basically, for anybody probably under thirty-five. <laughs> yep. And not in the UK as well. Yeah, Kilroy was just one of those chats. You know, like you got the audience. There's a smarmy guy talking about issues and getting comments from the audience and things like that. So he was very orange. Kil Why would you have been on Kilroy? Because I mean, I don't know how old you are, but you would have probably have been a child. Yes, I was, and I was on a, a program about disability. Um, I am what they call legally blind. So my eyesight is basically so bad that I may as well be blind, um, which is a little bit flippant, but uh, is, is basically the, the case. And so through some sort of network, we I think probably the RNIB, uh, Royal National Institute for the Blind, probably something like that, or the Children's Hospital, they, someone got in touch via the BBC and said, we want to put the show together will you come on and talk and uh, me and my brother both went on yeah and and my dad tried and tried to get Kilroy's uh, autograph afterwards and I think we got a signed photocopy you know like a photocopied signature cool wow you were properly on TV well unless it's a lie might be a lie you sold sex toys. Mm. Yeah, one of my one of my very first uh, jobs. Was... Please don't say this was out of your parents' house. No, <laughs> no, not out of. I was still living at home at the time. I was still living with them, but it wasn't out of. No, okay. no. I, I had um, there's a guy that I worked with at one of my earlier jobs. Uh, he was a friend of one of the guys I worked with, and he he said, you know, do you want to help shift? some of this stuff and it was lot, lots of um lots of adult adult gear i gave one to one of my best friends yeah she's been a long-standing friend and i i gave her this uh, as a birthday present one of the items um the only problem was um i couldn't get her alone uh so her mum had to watch me <laughs> give my friend this 
present. Um, Where yeah. were you selling them? So I'd, I'd have a, I'd have a big bag of of all the things, and um, it was kind of in conversation with people. So like, uh, <laughs> you'd, what, you'd what, try just, and find well, a way. So just on the off chance that sex toys came up in conversation, you would always walk around with a bag of them. No, <laughs> no. I mean, uh, um, I might sort of organise a little get together where I say, look, uh, you know, like. Yeah, you know, you get a few, you get a few friends together, and you say, or a few acquaintances, and you say, look, I've, I've got a bunch oh of these, uh, a bunch of these things. Uh, do you want to sort of have a, have a little sample? Let me know. Your first taste is free. <laughs> and you recorded what was the name of your EP of acoustic pop songs or whatever it was? Songs survive, and that was the name of the first song. Wow, that's beautiful. Can you remember the other songs on the EP? Yeah, there's only three of them. It was a three P. Um, uh, so there was Song Survive, which was written at the end of 2016, and Keeper on the Phone, second song, which was written 14 years ago or something like that. No, 10 years ago. Uh, and then I wrote a song about my cat that died, and that was the last song on the uh, on the EP. And it's available in all good rec- well, not all good record shops. It's available online. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god okay right now i i'm gonna say kilroy is true because i think even kilroy had forgotten that kilroy existed <laughs> and you went and bought that up and um yeah that just reminds me do you know what that reminds me of that reminds me of the days when you would be off sick from school yes and your mum would be watching you would end up watching kilroy and going for gold yes. and so i think blockbusters yeah blockbusters totally that was when your brothers would then come home from school mm-hmm. uh ep ep i believe because you're clearly clearly into audio anyway you're into recording things so i think that might be true and you know if your cat's died what better way to let it out memorialize and yet you see i don't know why you would make up the sex toys but i can't believe you would walk around with a bag of them and just randomly sell them to acquaintances and a gathering i don't know i mean maybe you would maybe you have mm. but that one just sounds weird so <laughs> so i'm hoping for the good of all humankind that that one is the lie it is the lie yes um, however Breathe out, everyone. <laughs> as, as as all good lies are, it is rooted in truth. One of my first ever web design jobs uh, that I, I got as a free... In fact, it might have been my first paid freelance gig back in 2004 was developing an e-commerce site for a friend of a, of a guy at work who uh, sold sex toys. And I did give... I got given a thank you vibrator, <laughs> which I gave <laughs> to my best friend. Well, I mean... That's, you know, in years gone by, people got given carriage clocks when they finished a job. Now <laughs> it's a, well, okay. Well, lovely. Well, I'm glad. Thank God that's a lie, though. I'm glad. Okay. Right. Now, I hope you don't mind me saying so. So that means that you, you really are, so legally blind, did you say? Mm-hmm. So does that mean that you you can see uh, to a certain extent or? Yeah. So, um, 
I I have notes, uh, you know, that I, I'm I'm actually using notes right now. Um, just you know, because my memory's not that great. Uh, so I've just got massive. I've I've got two screens here, so I've just got massive text uh, so that I haven't got to squint at when I'm talking to you. Uh, and so it's just like making things big, uh, zooming in, zooming out. Uh, Macs are really good for that because you can do that stuff really easily, whereas Windows it's not so good. And so yeah, like I don't use any visual aids i don't use a cane or anything like that i can i can get about um and you know i i I don't feel hamstrung in in any massive ways like there are definite limitations and there's definite stuff that's that's um quite difficult but it's more social situation stuff than it is anything else so like you know i travel a lot and i couldn't have done that 10 years ago just because of smartphones and, and being able to get maps and, and GPS and, you know, you can you can get your whole itinerary uh, in the palm of your hand kind of thing and, and all of that stuff is is really easy. So, you know, with my smartphone and something called a monocular, which is like a one of a pair of binoculars, that's that's me and, and I can kind of, you know, move about the world. Mm. Has has being freelance or having the skills, you know, of a freelancer, even if you went into an agency and what have you, has that been beneficial given that no it's it's sort of been i i didn't expect it to be but it's it's in one sense it's been detrimental um i i've been very lucky in that the jobs i've had it's never been a problem but i went and had a conversation with a guy uh, who i was i was really keen to talk to he used to work at the bbc thought we could do some really good podcasty audio stuff and and he'd been doing podcasting for a while and he went and and met me for a coffee and i was looking at the menu very closely and you know kind of right up to my face and we had a nice drink and a meal and we parted ways and he never contacted me again uh until we met in real life uh years later when he told me rather abashedly that he didn't pursue anything because he underestimated me because of my eyesight and uh, which was insane because mm. i mean for a start it's audio work um and so you know ju- judge me judge me on that if you will uh rather than you know me looking at a menu weird um and so for jobs in job interviews i'm, I'm uh, you know i have been sort of a bit a bit in kind of get a bit embarrassed about it because i'm not like super proud and and like all like you know i, I don't know the, the way to put it but I, I tend to apologize for the inconvenience of having of having bad eyesight sometimes. So uh, in pitches and things like that, I hate doing them. And, you know, public speaking, if I need notes and stuff like that, I really hate it because I have to figure out a whole system. Yeah, yeah. But I've seen you. There's, there's like a picture of you, I think, on one of the websites that I've looked at, of you doing public speaking, right? Yes. Yeah, I, I have that irritating thing. Like I won't let certain fears get in the way of uh of of wanting to do something which is a part of the the travel stuff and i usually like if, if i'm doing a sort of powerpoint thing i usually say to people right from the, the get-go you know uh, i'm blind so this might start off a little funky or i might get lost or whatever and and i i make my slides work in a particular way so that it's basically just so that there's something okay to look at on screen but for me it works as a massive like a a memoir um so that i know okay this slide is about this thing rather than having a script because i wouldn't be able to work off a script and and like people people say nice things and they say they go off okay it's it's scary but i kind of am stubborn enough that i won't let myself not do it <laughs> cool what would you say have been the biggest challenge or challenges of being freelance 
I think back in the day, it was lack of preparation. It was going out too soon, thinking I can do this, and like that. That was my thing for for many years. Uh, you know, the all all those sort of the the zebra crossing pattern of my career, where of you know freelance and 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 work. Every time I've left the job, it's been like, oh, I can do this. No, it's fine. I, I just need the skills. And and I'll find work. And it's like, well, yeah, you sort of will after a while. But unless you've either got loads of contacts or loads of savings in the bank uh, to get you through those first few months, it's going to be really hard. And it was um, up until the last time I did it, where I had loads of lead in time and some contacts. Um, and, and I said, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to leave this job until I know that I've got something lined up and so the biggest challenge for me over the years was always always money um and it wasn't that the clients didn't pay it was just I like the way I look at it is um I think of it like a treadmill and so at the front of the treadmill that that's really good because that means you've got you know a bit of slippage if there's a problem but if you're always at the back of the treadmill you're always at risk of falling off you know so that that thing's constantly moving and you've got to run to keep up and then if if the client you know is a little bit late or something happens there's a big bill that slips you further down the treadmill and then you're just going to fling off and i kind of did a couple of times and and so having a bit of money behind you having a bit of a runway means that you're further up the treadmill so that when things do happen, you don't slip as much. And and that was the way I've, I've, I've thought about it for the last few years. So yeah, it was, it was always, it was always money. Yeah. That's a really nice way of looking at it. Now, if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would that be? I think it, it goes back to what I was just saying, to be honest, it's, it's um, don't be impatient, get some more skills under your belt, get some more experience under your belt before you go out and do it. You, you will do it. You'll make it work, but you've, you've got to put the time in and stick with the jobs that irritate you or the people that, that you don't necessarily like uh, because you need to, you need to hone those skills and you need to do those with people. You can't do it all from you know your bedroom or your home office like you need to be around people so that you can learn these skills and 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 do those on the company time let let the company pay for you to learn <laughs> as, as it were um and uh, you know so yeah just don't don't be don't be impatient mark thank you so much for taking time out today if you go to beingfreelance.com you can find as i mentioned earlier links through to everything mark is up to she can check out his various podcasts which includes one on the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxies <laughs> genuinely and of course we we mentioned the the platform one where he actually talks through the the building of his own product and platform and uh, and if you're interested in launching a podcast or you've been thinking about it then you might well want to check that out as well so being freelance.com as well as of course the the social ways to, to reach out and chat to mark online to boot so being freelance.com while you're there check out the vlog where i document my freelance week and please sign up for the newsletter but the biggest thing you could do other than leave a review or send cakes is tell people about it um, if you know another freelancer or you're off to a meetup or something like that, spread the word about being freelance. That would be awesome. But for now, Mark, thanks very much. All the best with Podient and all the best being freelance. Thank you very much. And to you too as well. It's been a real pleasure. 